Teofimo Lopez versus George Cambosis. Post fight thoughts. Dun, dun, dun. Hey guys, Fight Junkie here. As usual, before we jump into this next episode, I want to remind you guys you can hit me up on Twitter at FightJunkie.com. Follow me on Parlor at FightJunkie. Listen to me on Anchor, Spotify, Google, Apple, Amazon. Basically, anywhere you can find a podcast, I'll be there. You can also subscribe to the YouTube channel. Oh, wait. Hold up. Scratch that. YouTube deleted my channel. Um, let me think. Okay. I got it. You can also subscribe to the Rumble channel. Rumble.com slash Fight Junkie. Want live stream? Twitch.tv slash Real Fight Junkie. Tiafimo Lopez wins inside. You lose. Well, even though we mentioned how slick Cambosis could be, the boy took it to another level last night. Because not only was he slick, but he was consistently slick for basically the entire fight. And even though we pointed out how George was pretty much flying under the radar, especially compared with his skill set and the good things that he can do, and we'll get to that in a minute, in our pre-fight podcast, the fact of the matter is he really did take it to another level because one of the problems I saw when I capped the fight was when he got aggressive, he had a tendency to get out of position. Sometimes when he missed his punches, he overextended, he put so much into his punches that when he missed, he was out of position. And I thought that was going to be a prime opportunity for Teofimo Lopez to counter him. But even though he did that at times against Lopez, for the majority of the fight, he was on the back foot. And I think that discipline eliminated a lot of the mistakes that I've saw in his previous other fights against lesser competition than Lopez. I think it was a brilliant game plan for him to utilize that movement because it made Lopez reset. It didn't matter if they were engaging and George was going in and out and Lopez had to reset or if George was throwing the combinations pushing Tiafimo back and he had to reset. Either way, it made Lopez reset. And every time he had to reset, there went his offense. So he had to stop and start all over again. So I think it was a brilliant game plan from George. And obviously he fought the fight of his life. Now, this bull crap from Tiafimo and his dad and all this nonsense after the fact about the scorecards... And that Tio won 10 to 12 or 10 to 2 or 11 to 1 or whatever craziness that they were uttering is just absolutely nonsense. I think most people that watch this fight know that George won the fight legitimately. And even if you want to give Tia Fimo some rounds, go ahead and give him some rounds. But there's no way in hell that you're going to 10-2 fight. That's delusional, like George said, after the fight. And it really is kind of sour grapes here. Because what's interesting to me is, in our pre-fight podcast, we mentioned all of these good things that George could do. But we also said Tiafimo should be favored. The line was ridiculously high. But George was unknown, let's be real. And that George hadn't fought the competition that Lopez has. And he made some mistakes. So we thought ultimately those mistakes would win out for Tiafimo. He'd be able to catch him at some point. He did catch him in the 10th. And he, he'd probably be able to take him out. But George was being undersold here. 
He had some skills. He could be slick. He had fast hands. I wasn't sold on his power. So the first the first round knockdown was interesting to me. But I was never really worried that George was going to overpower Teofimo Lopez. If you watch in that first round, Teofimo was throwing everything in the kitchen sink. I think that was a ridiculous game plan. Granted, he did tell everybody that's what he was going to do. He did look for the first round knockout. But obviously, he was overconfident. He didn't think George could hurt him. And George caught him perfect and dropped him. And after that, Tiafimo had to have a little bit something, something in the back of his mind like wait a minute even though he still pressed still was aggressive still was looking for the knockout you got to be a little bit more dressed down a defense there because you know the guy has put you on your ass but I really wasn't worried about George knocking Tiafimo out even after that first knockdown even during the exchanges even sometimes when George caught him clean after that it really wasn't a, a, a worrisome uh, thought in my mind that George is going to catch him with something clean and just blast him out. George doesn't have that type of power. He's shown that against lesser fighters. He showed it against Teofimo. Yeah, he knocked him down, but he hit him with a lot of clean, good shots. And Teofimo basically, for the most part, walked through him. He lumped him up good. He outvolumed him easy, but Teofimo was able to take his punches. So in the pre-fight podcast, I looked at that and I said, I think Teofimo is going to be able to take these punches. If George wins and he's able to overcome this, it's probably going to be in a close fight and it's probably going to be by decision. Again, don't believe what I'm telling you. Check, double check, triple check. Go back and listen to the pre-fight podcast. It's on Rumble or Anchor or wherever you listen to it. And you can see everything I'm telling you is real. This is what I said prior to the prior to the fight taking place. So George by decision was never a stunning outcome. I thought it was going to be difficult for him that he would have to fight a pretty much a perfect fight for him to be able to accomplish that goal of winning the titles and especially doing it on the cards. And Teal's hometown, that's not an easy task. So you can see why the odds were the way they were, especially when you're factoring that you didn't think that George would be able to stop him. So he's got to win on the cards. That's scary because the three blind mice, you can never trust them. But ultimately, he was able to do it. So that part wasn't really shocking to me. The thing that I find funny is now everybody after the fact is saying, one, why did we allow George to fly under the radar? Well, that's simple. He's an unknown. I mean, not many people are going to sit there and cap fights the way we do to understand the matchup, right? We always talk about stylistically. It's not name value. It's stylistically what you think is going to happen when they get in the ring together. So that's the first thing. But the second thing is when people were looking at this matchup going, you know, now all of a sudden the the rumor mill is coming out with all of the things that Teal wasn't doing. What we talked about in the pre-fight podcast. We talked about him ballooning up in weight, supposedly. We talked about the hard weight cut, supposedly. We talked about him partying and going places and not being in the gym, supposedly. We talked about all of these things pre-fight. And that's one of the things where I said, if you're liking George, this is what you're looking. You're looking for George to get out of those first four, five, six rounds Take Tiafimo into late waters and see if he can drown him. If he really has been screwing around, if the weight cut really is this brutal, if he really was ballooning up in between all of these cancelizations of the fight, I think eight eight different times or five different times, then this is what George is going to do. He's going to try to outwork Tiafimo Lopez and win on points. And that's what you saw. But I find it funny that people are willing to analyze it after the fact with a huge upset. But going into the fight, pretty much everybody and their brother was like, this is an easy win for Tiafimo Lopez. It wasn't if Tiafimo Lopez was going to win. It was 
how quick he's going to win. If he, you know, if he's going to knock him out in the first round or the twelfth round, it was pretty much a foregone conclusion. And granted, like I said, ultimately we sided with Tiafimo. Ultimately, we sided with Tiafimo inside. But again, go back and listen to the pre-fight podcast. Gave a lot of props to George and the specific way that he could win this fight. Not many people are doing that. That's one of the reasons why I do this podcast and the capping a little bit different is because I'm happy to tell you my opinion and what I think is going on. But I always try to make a case for the other fighter as much as I can to give you a little something, something that I could see in the other fighter. And hopefully you take that little something, something that I'm spitting and go do your own research and dig a little deeper and see if you can find even more to justify why you would jump ship and go with the other fighter. It doesn't matter if I'm picking the favorite or if I'm picking the underdog, whatever the case is. I always try to throw a nugget here or there because when two men or women get into the ring or the octagon, anything can happen. So when you're looking at these matches and you're breaking them down stylistically and and forgetting about all the noise and the name value and all of this other nonsense, unless you're factoring it in, obviously, with scorecards, which we talked about already, then you're able to get a clear view of of how they match up and potentially how each fighter could win. So I think that's funny that people are going back and analyzing how George was able to do it and how underrated he was and all the good things he did. I mean, it makes sense, right? It was a big upset. He's probably the most decorated Australian fighter now with all of the titles in Australian boxing history. So people are like, whoa, what happened? How did this happen? But it was funny because it wasn't shocking to me that George was able to do it. I thought it was going to be a tall task. I thought it was going to be not an impossible task, but a difficult task for him to be able to do it because of the way he would have to do it consistently over the course of 12 rounds and then get credit on the three blind mice's scorecards for everything that you did consistently over 12 rounds in New York against the A-side. Man, that's a tough task. That's why I said he really had to be on and really dominate Lopez to be able to do it the way that he did it. To me, that was a much harder victory going 12 rounds consistently overcoming some adversity and winning on points than it would have been if he just blasted Lopez out even in the first round the fifth round the eighth round the tenth round because he would have taken that corruption out of the judge's hands right he would have taken that potential to get screwed out of the judge's hands but the way that I thought he was going to have to do it and the way he ultimately did it was far more difficult in my opinion so kudos to him because that was not an easy task and not only that but Tia's female Lopez is a good fighter so say what you will about his preparation or the weight cut if he needs to move up he is a good fighter he's fast he has power and he brought it against George it's not like I don't think George got a shell of a Tiafimo Lopez in there even if Lopez was an 100% because I heard prior to this fight where Lopez was saying I have injuries too I'm coming into this fight injured now I haven't heard if he mentioned those injuries after the fact because apparently he thinks he won 10 rounds to two but he, he he was still up there. You know, maybe not 100%, maybe he's 90%. But that was still a very good Tiafimo Lopez that George beat. So I don't want people to think that he fought, you know, just a shell of a Lopez in there. Lopez was bringing the heat, 
throwing everything in the kitchen sink, trying to take George's head off. And again, he even dropped George in the 10th round and George had to overcome. Right around that point, I thought the Lopez inside is going to hit. It was funny to me because when we capped this fight, you would think early on it was Tiafimo that had the advantage and George knocked him down in the first round. And later on, it would be Georgia had the advantage and it was Tiafimo who knocked George down in the 10th round. So that's kind of funny. It went opposite to the way that you would think it would, especially with the potential weight gain, the hard weight cut and the conditioning issues that could possibly be there if you're not training how you're supposed to be on the low pass side. But George overcame in that 10th round because I thought right there okay the armor's starting to crack you can see it he was a little bit huffy puffy the punch he was he was severely hurt now uh, Tiafimo was able to get to him and touch him and now when he was touching him you could see it was starting to rattle him and then the dude comes out in the 11th and 12th round and wins the damn rounds like he recouped so fast and then the volume and the cardio was just right back to where it's supposed to be very impressive now part of that was i think tiafimo not throwing enough punches and even though he put the pressure on listen this is the way that george was always going to win if you don't believe me go back and check the pre-fight podcast volume this is the way that george was going to win the fight the fact that he knocked Tiafimo down in the first round only helped his cause because now Tiafimo just couldn't go crazy. He had to be a little more reserved. And every time he threw, George did a very smart thing. He countered him. And George has fast hands, so forget about the power. But he was able to touch Tiafimo almost every single time that Tiafimo threw. It didn't matter if Tiafimo landed. The idea was, if you touch me, I'm going to come back with my own. And so this automatically made Tiafimo hesitant to go off two, three, four, five punches because he knew that George would A, either eat the shot and come right back, or B, make him miss and make him pay. It's funny because, in my opinion, George kind of beat Tiafimo Lopez like Lopez beat Lomachenko. He made Lomachenko hesitant. And that's what George did. When you saw Lomachenko come on late, you saw Tiafimo struggle. But early on, Lomachenko was hesitant to throw because Tiafimo was always looking to counter him. As soon as Lomachenko threw, boom, Lopez was throwing. This was the case with George. As soon as Tiafimo was throwing, it didn't matter if it was a jab, if it was a single right hand, or if it was combination punches. George was looking to counter him, and Tiafimo knew this. And unless you've been in the ring, you don't understand what it does to you mentally. When you know if you throw out that jab, there is a punch coming after it. You have to not only be technically sound and throw the jab from the correct distance, but you also have to be dressed down in your defense because you know another shot is coming over the jab. And then you do that with the right hand. You do that with the left hook. You do that with the uppercut. You do that with a body shot. And the next thing you know, your mind is rattled from left and right, and you're not sure what to throw, when to throw it, and if you th- if you should throw it. 
that's what happened with Lomachenko versus Lopez, and that's what happened in this fight. Now, I know a lot of people, after the fact, are saying Loma was injured, and if he fought him now, and all this other jazz, yeah, maybe that's true. But during that fight at that time, that's what happened, in my opinion. And I think you saw the same thing. It was just reversed. Now, Teofimo Lopez got a little bit of a taste of it, where a lot of this comes from speed, too, because you have to you have to either be very good at timing, or you're going to have hand speed to be able to counter the way that George did against Teofimo Lopez and the way that Lopez did against Lomachenko. It's not easy. It's a very high level. And because George had good footwork and he also has really good hand speed, he was able to do that. Between the hand speed and the footwork, it kept Lopez off balance and resetting the entire night. Even when he was aggressive, even when he was landing, you could always see he was a little bit unsure, right? You never saw after that first round the full out, you know, bull rush where I'm just going to impose my will. He would walk forward. He would try to put mental pressure. He would land some punches, but he knew he had to be on point defensively. And look at, even though he only got dropped once, got his own knockdown. Look at how many punches George landed on him with the majority of the fight George boxing, moving, and countering. That shows you how many times Teofimo Lopez had to worry about those counter punches coming back at him. His face showed it. I mean, he got lumped up, guys. That's why I said this 10 to 2 nonsense. That shows you how much he got hit because his brain is rattled if he really believes that. I mean, there's no, <laughs> there's no way in the world... Even his dad probably was rolling his eyes at that point because that's just pure and utter nonsense. The other thing is, where does everybody go from here? Where everybody in the division now is calling out George, which I kind of think is funny because all of these major fights when Teofimo had the belts, they couldn't be made for some reason, right? So now you're starting to wonder, was it Teofimo and his dad? Was it Team Lopez that didn't want these fights? Because you didn't have the Lomachenko rematch when everybody thought that that was going to be, right? You win the titles. You're an underdog. Your, your name's in bright lights now. Everybody knows who you are, but they didn't take advantage of the win over Lomachenko. Head scratcher. You don't fight. I believe it was four year. His big win was against Loma. He has to fight the mandatory on a purse bid. It goes through all of these dates and different networks. Ultimately, it goes to purse bids. You don't have a rematch clause. You go in there and you lose all of your titles. You don't even have a rematch clause. Even though Georgia offered the fight to him, a rematch in Australia, which Lopez never offered a rematch to Lomachenko. Apparently... Lopez has no interest in it. It didn't seem like at the time he had a very big interest in it. You know, it looks to me like he's talking maybe a little something, something about moving up in weight. Because if you go to Australia and you lose against George again, now what? I think he's got a better case of losing the title to George, talking about you didn't prepare, COVID, uh, all the distractions, the weight cut, move up to 140, start beating some fighters, maybe get some titles. Uh, you know, look for a big fight against Josh Taylor later on. I don't even think you can make that fight right now. That's the issue, right? So you're going to say the weight cut was the problem and then move up and get a 140-pound, uh, you know, unification uh, against uh, Josh Taylor, all, all the marbles. I don't think, why would Josh Taylor do that now? Teofimo just lost all of his titles at 100, 135 pounds. I mean, what what's the point here? What's the, what's the uh, upside for Taylor? 
right? There, to me, the upside is limited there for Taylor because the way that Tiafimo lost, and then if he doesn't rematch Lomachenko, he didn't rematch uh, George, and then you're just going to go up and just reclaim everything if you beat Josh Taylor and be back on the top of the mountain. Taylor's probably thinking, what's in it for me unless there's a hell of a lot of money? So I think the options right now for Tiafimo are interesting because if he would have rematched Loma and beat him, obviously, I mean, now, right, the world's at his feet. But that fight didn't take place. Again, he didn't capitalize on the win. Yeah, it was an amazing win. People say Loma was hurt, whatever the case is, but you beat him. All right, now what? Crickets. Nothing happens, and he ends up fighting as mandatory on a purse bed and loses. But now, all of a sudden, all the people in the 135 division are tweeting out that they want to fight George, which I don't think it's an easy fight for any of them. But it makes me wonder, were they scared of Lopez because he beat Lomachenko? Or was it Lopez that was avoiding them? Because all of a sudden, they're all lining up to fight George. And I think some of those fights could be made and made quickly depending on what they have going on on the other side, right? Haney or Garcia or whoever's going to want to line up with George next. They probably got to get through their fight or a fight or two. And then you could see major fights taking place. Why wasn't that happening with Teofimo Lopez and his team? Now what do they do? If he stays at 135, people are going to be, wait a minute. You're saying that you can't make the weight. He's been saying, oh, I wanted to move up for two years. Well, that pretty much seems that 135 is out. So now you've got to start from scratch at 140. And by scratch, obviously, I don't mean the lowest tier fighters in 140 pounds. The guy is still a very talented fighter. But I think the super fights are out the window until you can prove, okay, I've got a couple more wins under my belt. The, the, I'm, I'm the same fighter that I was or even better at 140 pounds. Maybe snatch, you know, something up, a, a, a non-major title to say, hey, I'm here. These guys are avoiding me and they start to trash talk the way that the Lopez's do to try to um, egg somebody in to get you in, you know, a major unification. All the titles, if Taylor's still there, you know, a big, big money fight. I could see that happening, but I think it's going to take a little bit more time for him to get there. I just don't see a way that you lose the way that you lose to quote unquote an unknown and that's no disrespect to George but in a mandatory fight never having even rematch Lomachenko and think that the world is still going to beckon to your call I just don't see it so in my opinion he's in a tough spot he never took advantage of the Lomachenko win and they had mentioned on the broadcast like he spent $250,000 for this training camp and at one point he was down to like 10 or 20 grand in his bank account I'm thinking to myself what the hell is going on here? I mean, that doesn't seem like he should be in that position after beating Loma and taking all the titles. And so it's kind of depressing to me that you get such a win like that, being an underdog, and then you do nothing with it. It'd be basically like if George did that, right? You go in there, you upset the apple cart, you snatch all these titles, and then you sit on the shelf and do nothing, Fight a mandatory that nobody knows and expects you to blow out, lose, and then what? Right? I mean, it's not like he's making a ton of money to fight George, where he would have had super fights that made him a ton of money after the Lomachenko win, including a rematch with Loma. So there was a lot of ways they could have taken this. And I don't know if it was arrogance. I mean, 
If it's the Papa, I gotta, I gotta say that corner work was absolutely trash. I don't think a lot of people in the industry hold Lopez Senior uh, in high regard. I think he's a, a big mouth who talks a lot of shit and lives through his son. And but his corner work was absolutely atrocious. I mean, I harp on the UFC and MMA corners all the time with the. Go punch him in the face. Fuck him up. That kind of nonsense that's spouted in the corners that people pay for. And that's what you pretty much got with Lopez Sr. in there talking to his son. That was just kind of ridiculous. At this level, there was no technical instruction for the most part. Now, there were times where he said you need to come in behind the jab and this, that, and the other. But it was never consistent, and he never held Tiafimo's feet to the fire. So Papa Lopez was never consistently telling him, this is what you need to do. There was always some nonsense spouted off, and then a little technical instruction, like, you know, make sure you're coming in with a jab and don't follow him around or go to the body. You know, we're going to get him by going to the body first. These type of things are okay, but it wasn't consistent, and it was always mixed in with some cursing you know, nonsense, go, you know, F them up, this type of uh, type of deal that helps nobody. And then when Lopez Tiafimo wouldn't do what uh, Papa was asking, there was no, there was no ramifications for it. Like he just kept saying, wake up, get with it, this, that, and the other. But it wasn't like, dude, I've told you round after round after round, if you're going to follow him, you've got to come behind the jab, right? Like it wasn't consistent messaging. And so I think that's a huge problem because you saw that Teofimo basically did the same thing round after round. And I'm not discrediting Teofimo Lopez skills. I don't want anybody to think that because he lost all of a sudden he's trash. I don't believe that. He has a good skill set. But the problem is it didn't seem like he was able to adjust. Even after the knockdown in the 10th round, how do you let George come back and win 11 and 12? Right? Like... That, that that right there, like I even think they said on the broadcast, like it seems like he is throwing away the opportunity. I mean, there was something like two minutes, I think, left in the round when he dropped George. And then George comes back, recovers, and wins 11 and 12. Like you've got, at this level especially, where you know even the slightest mistake can take your title or end the night, you've got to be able to make adjustments. And it looked to me like, for one, the corner wasn't able to adjust at all. And two, Teofimo didn't really adjust. He pretty much did the exact same thing from round one that he did to round 12. He had greater success here and there. Sometimes it was worse. Sometimes it was better. But it was pretty much the exact same game plan. And even though George was boxing his socks off for the most part, he pretty much only kept doing the exact same thing. In fact, if you look at the fight, for the most part, his punch output went down as the rounds went on. Because like I said, between the punches that he was taking, he had already been dropped. He's getting lumped up. He's cut. He's bleeding. Like, I get it. It's not an easy fight. But at this level, especially coming off the Lomachenko win and you're like, I'm the best. I'm going to be the best. Nobody can beat me. I'm the most skilled fighter. This, that, and the other, man. You've got to back it up. And when push came to shove and the going got tough, Tiafimo wasn't able to adjust. That's it for this episode of Fight Junkie. I will suck it to you tomorrow, baby. Fight Junkie out.